the best bitch. It's the second rate show. Juggernaut of a podcast. Where we watch the flop. And see if we like it. One, please. Hello, and welcome to the best bits second rate show where we flashback to a random week of release and give a second chance to a film we didn't see the first time. This is Will, and as always, I'm joined by Kevin. Hello, Kevin. How are you, Will? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. <laughs> what are we doing? What is going on? This is our spin-off, and yeah. for this show, we're doing things slightly differently. We've got a year in each one of the slots of the wheel. We're spinning the wheel and we get a random year and we go back to that. You just said all that. You can tell this is the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. We've gone back to 1988. Grace, Grace 88. That's what I call it. Kevin, it where, were you in, where were you in 88? In May 4th of 1988, I think I was doing my Holy Communion. I can't remember when in May it was, but that would have been around then, I think. Not May, maybe June or July. I was watching and admiring Ronnie Whelan doing a beautiful volley from Mick McCarthy's throwing at the Euros 88 and they scored this fantastic goal <laughs> against Russia. Oh, he was on the edge of the box and I was outside. I remember being out in my garden trying to recreate that bicycle kick. Unbelievable stuff. Ronnie Whelan, you legend, Jay. So that was my what God. my highlight of 88 was. That was a good summer, I think. Yeah. The sun was shining. It was. It was a hot summer. It was a hot summer. It was. I can tell you that yep. at the, I've looked up the news to give us sort of context to put us in in the framework of what was happening in 1988. And bring, take me back. Take me back. Go on. The Taoiseach, which is our Prime Minister, was Charlie Hawley. The Prime Minister. <laughs> Taoiseach. <laughs> yeah. The Prime Minister was Margaret <laughs> Thatcher. <laughs> we had... Ronald Reagan as the US president. Very nice, Nancy. Magnum PI was coming to its uh, close. It was the last episode of the show was airing this week in 1988. We had S Express at number one in the charts. That's it exactly. Yeah. Oh, you remember that? Excellent. Celine Dion had just won the Eurovision contest in Dublin. Oh, sh- oh what's, what's the song? What's the song? Oh, I don't my know. It's God. In French. It was like a real kind of like, you know, ballad power. I, I noticed it, she it, was wearing it this was, tutu-like dress. Yes. It was called Ne Partes Par Passe Moi. That's exactly yeah. it. Ne Partes Artes Moi. Yeah, it was a great song. Great song. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, um... Notable figures like Judith Barcy, Roy Orbison, Sugar Ray Robinson, they were still alive, which have been Fuck nice. off. That <laughs> was some piss off. Go on. On TV, people were watching Allo Allo, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, and In the Heat of the Night, and gamers were playing Tetris, Paperboy, Top Gun, and Platoon. Kids and teenagers were watching The Bugs Bunny Show, Heathcliff, Brave Star, Full House, and popular toys like The Garbage Pail Kids, Sylvanian Families, and the Nintendo Home Entertainment System was a... Uh, was on everybody's Christmas lists for what that year. To be alive. If mm-hmm. if if a fraction of that ended up in my stocking, I'd be. In, I, I think I would have been over the moon. But none of it did. None of it did. <laughs> Jesus no. Christ. But what we want to focus on? What was on in the cinema? What were our options before we settled on the film that we're going to talk about? At number ten in the cinema that weekend, that, that week was Moonstruck, which has come up in a, in a previous episode. At good number film. nine, seen it though. A very good film. We've seen it. The idea, the premise with this is that we neither of us kind of seen the film. Next was 
casual sex, question mark, starring Leah Thompson. You didn't tell me this was an option. Well, well Kevin, I don't like bringing up <laughs> casual sex around you because, you know, you, you get notions. Also, there was The Last Emperor. You remember that one? I've seen yeah, that one. seen that. Biloxi Blues, Matthew Broderick, I'm pretty sure. Oh, right. I think I've seen that. Uh, I'm not sure if I have. This one, I'm sure most of our listeners have watched Above the Law. You know that one, Steven Seagal. Oh, St- yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I've seen then, it. Uh, in fifth place was Dead Heat, right? Yeah, then, I've seen it. Th- you've seen it, have you? <laughs> um, then there was, then we had in fourth place was Salsa, which is a canon release, basically Dirty Dancing with Salsa music, a year after Dirty Dancing. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted uh, to see that. I've not seen it, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> In third place, there was a film called Shakedown, which is, I know it's got you, man, uh, Robocop. Um, what's Robocop, the actor Robocop called again? Peter Weller, wasn't it? Yeah, Peter Weller. Yeah, I was thinking Paul uh, Then we have in, <laughs> no. in, ta- in, in second place, we have Beetlejuice, which is a classic. Yeah, totally And classic. in the number one spot for that weekend. Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Go on, go on. It's, it's, it? been, it's been in the top spot for four weeks now, so it's done quite well. Would it be Top Gun? No, that's a couple of years out. Colors, Little Weapon. No, Colors, Colors, starring Colors was number one for a number of weeks. Four, it was that was an, it was on its fourth weeks. It made forty six million domestically, which is savage money for back in the eighties. Wow, savage money. Starring Sean Penn, directed by Dennis Hopper. It, that's not a flop, though, is it? If I mean, if that went to number one, that's an actual box office hit. Uh, well, we just have to play, you know, for um. Fast and loose with the rules of this game, Kevin, I think. Okay. <laughs> I spun the wheel and it has to be something we both haven't seen. So as we said, it's a second chance for a film we missed the first time. And in 1988, I would have been too young to have seen this film. And the film is Dead Heat. There's definitely something very weird going on here. Detective Roger Mortis <laughs> has a problem. dead but detective bigelow is bringing him back alive we have something on the monitor captain that's okay don't get up hold you not to get up now he's got 12 hours to solve the toughest murder case of his career his own That's it. From now on, I'm a vegetarian. How do you fight this thing? Maybe we could drown it in A1 sauce. Treat Williams. Sit down. And Joe Piscopo are dead heat. You shoot them, they don't die. You can't keep a good cop dead. you know what? Yeah. The trailer is just played and I haven't even seen the trailer. I went into this completely blind. I mean, I opened my eyes for the film, but I <laughs> uh, had no idea and not to preempt where we're going to go with this because we're going to hold off. Yeah. Where do we recommend it? Where do we think you should revisit it or skip it at the end? But I can tell you, Will, that I had two moments where I went, what? Watching the film. 
and two more moments where I went, what the fuck, watching the film. Can I give our listeners a little recap to what this is about, right? Do. Okay, so Dead Heat, as we say, came out in 1988. It's a an action buddy cop horror comedy. and There's going to be spoilers in this conversation, by the way. Oh, yeah, so we'll have to. We're going to spoil the ever-living fuck out of it. Yeah. We can't talk about it otherwise. It's, it stars Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo, who we'll have to get into. Directed by Mark Goldblatt and written by Terry Black. And it's a story, it's about an L.A. police officer called Roger Mortis. Roger Mortis. Oh, God. Who is, yeah. who is killed while arresting zombies who have been reanimated by the head of Dante Laboratories in order to carry out violent armed robberies. And that's a very basic setup. So we have Roger Mortis and his and his partner, who, who in the first scene are uh, trying to arrest armed zombies, you know, Jewel, jewel thief, armed, armed zombies. Okay. Yes. Okay. I had not only not seen this, I'd never heard of this film. So when you proposed it, I went like, okay, I'll go with that one. Okay. I thought it was called Dead Meat. So I kept <laughs> referring to it as Dead Meat. I'm going to watch Dead Meat this weekend. And, right. Uh, I'm looking for Dead Meat. I didn't even know there were zombies in the film. I yeah. thought it was just a buddy comedy, a buddy action comedy. I didn't look at the poster other than a quick glance uh, what you sent on Letterboxd. Yeah. And it just looked like two cops with, with a badge. I didn't see the zombie hand on the badge. Yeah. So I had, I didn't know that they were zombies in, in the opening scene. <laughs> Neither did I. I just thought they, I thought they were two Neanderthals. Yeah. I was like, these guys <laughs> they, are acting very strange. They rob strange. a jewelry store. <laughs> yeah. They rob a jewelry store and the two guys turn up, our, our two leads, Treat Williams and uh, Joe Piscopo. Mm-hmm. I thought Joe Piscopo was a wrestler. And I, you had to put me straight on oh, that. Oh, well, listen. I thought Joe Piscopo was some old American comic. Like, he was a he was a, a, a punchline. Because I've heard him mention on Mark Maron so many times. He went, what's a Joe Piscopo? And now I actually saw what Joe Piscopo... This is the first time I've ever seen Joe Piscopo in, re, in yeah, on TV. This might... Yeah, the first time I've ever seen him as well. Apparently, he's a fucking big deal in the States. Yeah. He was, he was basically the co-star of Saturday Night Live for the years that Eddie Murphy were there. So it was Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy. And I think Ebersol years. Very, yeah, it was a, a, a kind of a, a lean year, those lean years for Saturday Night Live. And I find it very, very interesting that Eddie Murphy comes out and has this uh, absolutely career-launching film with Beverly Hills Cop. And Joe Piscopo leaves Saturday Night Live and he tries to have a movie career as well and he has he, he takes on his own kind of buddy cop movie with a different no with spin. The, Eddie Murphy's was, wasn't Eddie Murphy's first film 48 Hours which would have been oh, a buddy cop oh yeah 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 I was thinking Beverly Hills you're right it's 48 Hours yeah absolutely they came out in 82 yeah. I think so in the middle of that but you mm-hmm. can see Joe Piscopo trying to do something similar to Eddie Murphy uh, and uh, yeah and boy did he pull it off <laughs> <laughs> he's quite muscly He's actually, and he likes showing off his muscles in this as well. Like he's got, he's worked out. Like he's got, he's got the same look of the zombies. I think <laughs> they're not seeking brains; they're, they're gun-toting zombies. Oh my God! Okay, how do we get into this? We so, have to go into plot. We have to start spoiling the story because the plot twists are some of the funnest thing about this. So, as we just established, that the film starts off with a pretty fun action scene where there's a, a jewel heist and all the cops show up and they start gunning down these jewel thieves and they start soaking up bullets because they're the undead. <laughs> and it's kind of funny and it's just, it's 
it's fucking cut. It's but hilarious. I thought it was just an eighties type of like yeah. bad action film where it's yeah. like, oh, they're getting hit, but you know they're resisting the bullets. Were you saying? Did you think the same as me that they had incredible body armor on? It was like going, wow, the cops keep hitting their body armor. What's going on? <laughs> no. I just thought it was just like bad action direction where it's yeah. like, uh, you know. You, they'll get riddled with bullets but they're still going to keep going until the adrenaline wears off yeah and then joe piscopo slams into one in his car yeah yeah and i thought uh all right this is going all out so joe piscopo is a stand-up comedian as you said and he was on saturday night live and i feel like every single line of dialogue in the film that he speaks he wrote himself where he ad-libbed correct because did is that true yeah he did an awful lot of ad-libbing on set yeah every line he said was Dire. Like when he was passing, what actually one of the funniest ones was when he was passing the nun in the police station and he casually throws out, see you Thursday night, you know, and I went, oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Tragic. Can I give you some trivia, Kevin? Right. This film is obviously trying to cash in on the, the, the high concept buddy cop movie. It was written by a guy called Terry Black. Okay. Terry Black's brother is also a, a guy with a surname Black and a, and a screenwriter. Who do you think his brother is? Um, somebody famous, black. I can just think of Cinna Black, a famous Mary screen, Black, a, fam- a famous screenwriter whose whose surname is, is Black. Francis Black. Francis Black. You're correct. There you go. It's Francis Black. No, his brother is Shane Black, writer of Lethal Weapon. You're uh, joking me. Yeah, his brother is Shane Black. And if you remember in the movie where after the this thing, is like a McDonough situation, which yeah. one is the more talented one? And he only how he got how he got this gig was he had it's written bad. a few episodes from uh, Tales of the Crypt, and uh, this was his only feature film, and that was it. That was it. But he also appears you know in the who- film. He also has got a little cameo in a movie where, if you remember, when Treat we haven't got to one of the spoilers, where when Treat Williams approaches this cop who is it uh, in the chicken shop? It's not in the chicken shop. It's later than <laughs> that. It's after the ambulance crash. So remember the ambulance crash and he gets oh, out of the, the body bag. The, the two uh, EMTs? Yeah, no, there's a cop. He gets out of the body bag and there's a cop pointing, uh, a motorbike cop pointing his gun at him <laughs> and he approaches and he takes out his badge and he's like, a, he's spoiler, he's a zombie. That's Terry Black. That's Terry Black as the cop. Isn't the, it mental? Do you know what happened in that? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that later on. But in that scene, I just thought they just, they, they're not even trying. Where he goes up and he goes, I'm going to need your, your gun, officer. Yeah. And he just hands it to him. And I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> he's handing it to a, a basically a zombified Two-Face from Batman. He's giving him his gun. The first thing he would be doing, <laughs> if this was America, he would just be unloading all those six bullets right into his cranium. Like, that's the first thing the cop would be doing. Instead of going, actually, yeah, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you, Zombie Treat Williams. Absolutely. Or Roger Mortis. Because Kevin, but you yeah. know who else? Wait, wait, wait! But you Go know who on. else was uh, a writer on this film, and they weren't credited, but they yeah. were announced when Go the on. film went into production. Is Darren Star? Yes. And for any Sex and the City fans out there, Darren Star is the creator of Sex and the City, and he's done a load of other, you know, uh, shows in that vein, like uh, Melrose Place and and Cashmere Mafia. I remember Cashmere Mafia actually because when I was an intern in LA one of the, the girls that was uh, in our friends group got working on that show. And oh. that's the only frame of reference I have for it. I don't even think that it, it lasted that long, but she got a job on Cashmere Mafia. Oh, wow. Anyway. Oh, wow. So it doesn't seem like a Darren Star vehicle, but he no. was one of the writers on this. 
The guy who directed this was Mark Goldblatt. Now, Mark Goldblatt, he he only directed one feature film after this, which was uh, The Punisher, Dolph Lundgren's version of The Punisher. But he's well, had, what a one-two punch. But listen, he has had an incredible career because Mark Goldblatt came up through the school of Roger Corman and he's a, an incredibly prestigious editor. He has edited some of the best movies over the last That is shocking. Several. Yeah. And it's a, it's a poorly edited film, I would say. It's so bad. Yeah. It, one of the things I'm going to ding this on. Well, uh, go on. Tell me, tell me what he's worked on. Anyway. Oh, you're going to shit your pants. Terminator 2, The Terminator. So basically, he's edited most of Cameron's films. Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, uh, X-Men, The Last Stand, Starship Troopers, Armageddon, Halloween 2, Chappie, Showgirls, Bad Boys 2. Uh, he's still Pearl- going then. Oh yeah, he's still going. Commando, Predator, uh, Mario Brothers, The Last Boy Scout, Death Wish. He has just been going and going and going. And he's... Jesus, he yeah, didn't he- shoot enough footage then because those are well-edited films. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay, so... You've mentioned the writers. You've mentioned the editor. Those are two crucial people to to making a movie. Work. Well, that's the director. Sorry, he's the director. He wasn't the editor. Yeah, but he's he's an editor. He's an, an editor by trade. Yes. He. So you know when when you want a really good story to work on screen, you need a great script and you need a great editor. But if you don't have the great footage to work with, yeah, it's not going to work. So he obviously just wasn't getting what he needed. To that's shoot what I. That's exactly and what I felt. He obviously didn't get the coverage on the day. He didn't get the coverage on the day. <laughs> Definitely That's not. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Joe Piscopo, I think we can blame him for all of the dialogue that his character says. Yeah. So I can imagine, I could imagine, right, on the page, this would have been a, a cracking read. If it was be- <laughs> if it was better written, it would be a cracking read. Yeah. But all of the, the, the bare bones that you need for a great story are there. Yes. But I, th- like, oh, all right, I'll put it this way. If, if you're trying to figure out what kind of a film this is to anyone out there who hasn't seen it, it's sort of like Lethal Weapon meets... Um, Night of the Living Dead. American Werewolf in London, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More Because there's a, big, there's a big moment that happens in it uh, around the 19 minute mark, which again, I always mention, you know, watch out for that moment between the 17 and 21 minute mark. There's usually a major big escalation in the story. And this one has a, a huge one that brings it in line with an American way for London for me. We have to, well, again, we have to, you were talking about how the writing really isn't up to scratch, but you said that if you read this on the page, the actual plot points. The plot the story points so, works. This, some of the elements of the story are actually so entertaining. The twist the story takes. Not how it, <laughs> not how it's executed, but like the first, the, as you were saying, the 19 minute mark, we have to spoil it because we really, there's, it's basically Treat Williams, the straight cop character, they go and track down why there are zombies out there. They discover that, because they discover right, no, Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you yeah. skipped a step. We got, so, right. These two Neanderthal zombies rob a jewelry yeah. store. They they massacre them. They, they run them over their cars. They eventually just put these guys down after unloading every bullet they have in them. It's a huge, big shootout. They go to the coroner's office and the mm-hmm. coroner, who's the ex of Treat Williams, um, says, hang on a second. I've already done an autopsy on these guys before. Yeah. This is the second time they've been here. So you just killed guys who are dead. So these are double dead. Mm-hmm. And... 
you'd think that'd be like a holy shit moment. Yeah. But everybody plays it off like, oh, well, oh, okay. okay. Well, we better investigate oh, this. And I wonder the, what happened. The head, mor- the head mortuary doctor comes in and he went, ah, you just must have made a mistake. You must have just made a <laughs> and she, mistake. And she says, I never forget a body doctor and walks out like, <laughs> and walks out like, got you, you fucker. But I'm, yeah, that's a cool idea though. They when dis- you've just killed somebody who's already been dead. <laughs> yeah, it is a cool idea. They discover, she discovers that they're pumped full of a certain chemical and through amazing, incredible internet research before the internet existed. DMT. They, oh, DMT. They discover, yeah. oh, there's this, this institute, this uh, Dante Laboratories has ordered a huge amount of that particular material. So what do they do to go straight over to Dante Laboratories, walk in yeah. and there's... And they get a tour. They get a tour of Dante Laboratories. Yeah, they, they come do. here to say, you know, we've just found two dead bodies that are pumped full of your chemicals. Mm-hmm. And the tour guide lady says, no problem. Would you like a tour of the facility? Yeah. And she shows them everything, including the kill room. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> Which is across from the from the reception, reception yeah, area. Yeah, from the, the You foyer. can actually see animals being killed. If you're just sitting in the waiting <laughs> room, you can see through the glass window where animals get asphyxiated to death. <laughs> it's not shot really well. And listen to this. It's direct the cinematographer was Robert D. Yeoman. Robert D. Yeoman, he went on to be Wes Anderson's, like, the cinematographer collaborator. He has shot every Wes Anderson film. Every, and you see how well they are shot. Like, he's had an incredible you know career. We're, we're pointing out here, Wes Anderson is a great visualist. He brought out the best of that guy. Yeah. Mark Goldblatt is obviously a great editor, but he needed a great director to help him deliver some great sequences and scenes. Yeah, Mark, you found your calling, I, I guess, as an editor. There but, you go. Uh, yeah. Isn't it great he had as a fallback? And what I But the 19-minute mark, we're in the facility. Yes, yes. They're sorry. shown to the kill room. And this is the moment where I thought, oh, of course this is what the story's about. Because I was just watching it thinking, like, what the fuck is going on? What's happening? All right, so they're, they're trying to investigate zombies. Yeah. And then they find really- a, a sort of a resurrection chamber. And they pull back this tap. And an ogre with three faces conjoined <laughs> as one. It's amazing. He looks like a villain from like Masters of the Universe, the movie. It's yeah. an incredible looking fucking, you know, special effect. Yeah. And I didn't look up much for this, but I did look up who did the special Steve effects. Johnson. Steve Johnson. Steve yeah. Johnson is his name. Yeah, He's, and he did some uh, uh, camera films as well, like The Abyss and uh, Blade 2. Well, that's not a camera film, but he did The Abyss and he did... Ghostbusters, um, he did Slimer and Ghostbusters. He did Dr. Octopus's Arms and Spider-Man 2. He's, he was from the Rob Bottin school of uh, special effects. So he came, came from the top, top quality school and uh, you can see you can see he's a yeah. talented guy that's the one thing about this film he did big trouble in little china so a lot of the yes. visual effects in that or special effects in that look like they these characters and this these creatures and this would fit into that world fright night pulled the guys too um so he's delivering that stuff looks great the, the special effects this ogre anyway with three heads starts battering the shit out of the two guys and uh joe piscopo gets distracted with trying to take this creature down Mm-hmm. And he fails to realize that Treat Williams has been locked into the kill room. Yeah. Where they kill the, the, the animals in this thing by sucking all the air out. So it becomes a vacuum and they asphyxiate them. But did you know what? What? When Treat Williams is inside in the vacuum, he's screaming and shouting and banging <laughs> on the glass. <laughs> and his shoes are scoffing. And I'm thinking, this isn't scientifically accurate. You know, there shouldn't be any sound emanating because... 
There's no air in there. It wasn't the tree-faced biker that wasn't that didn't throw you off his head. I can accept the tree-faced biker, but him not being screaming in a vacuum, that's fucking bullshit. I, this film is bullshit. And also, Joe Piscopo, right? After he's in, he's uh, knocked out the tree-faced biker, he then is trying to push his elbow, like shove his elbow through the, the glass to break the glass. He's Ugh. also got a fucking gun. He could just fucking shoot. I he know, also, yeah, why didn't he do that? He also they do the typical thing of shooting the lock off of a door, but they won't shoot the glass to break it. <laughs> oh, it's fucking brilliant. And what happens to Treat Williams? What happens to Treat Williams? He's uh, He lies down on the floor and pretends to be dead. <laughs> well, he is dead. He actually does die. He does actually die. Yeah, but he's put die. into a vacuum. Do you remember there was a scene in Event Horizon when the guy had to leap through space to uh, get back into the ship yeah. and he was in the vacuum of space and he basically nearly turned inside out where the vacuum was just like oh God, yeah. all his his veins were starting to protrude his eyes were blowing up in his skull Yeah, that's not scientifically accurate but it was pretty cool and in this Treat Williams just lies down on the ground and just sort of gasps and I just felt a bit sorry for him I thought like <laughs> oh. you know they they could have helped the out here you know made it a bit more um dramatic use some of those special effects to really grow but you see they couldn't make him grotesquely dead because in the following scene when Joe Piscopo and the uh, uh, wait wait so let's tell people what happens then he's dead he's dead (laughs) Joe Piscopo sits in the lobby and the the doctor comes along and he's like um He's dead he got killed in a vacuum like a dog yeah she's like uh um let me see him yeah and the very next scene after that is they she starts telling them we can revive him. They've brought people back from the dead before. We can do it. No. And I thought, what a fucking what? leap. What? what a massive jump to take. <laughs> and again, it's it's very matter of fact. It's like, oh yeah, it's in that room. Actually, right beside the suffocation room, there's a resurrection room. Oh, fucking class. And they and they do it. They resurrect him. We're kind of like, it's very matter of fact. Oh my God. There's a line that she says. Oh yeah, this is it. They lay him down. So where the, the ogre guy, they found the ogre and they're going to resurrect him. And Joe Piscopo's you know, protesting and saying, we shouldn't be doing this. And she's like, no, no, let's wake him up. Let's bring him back. And he goes, what if he wakes up a mindless idiot? And she says, we'll just have to shoot him in the head. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but this is delivered like straight where you think, yeah. is this, is this a joke or is this serious? Yeah. Like, and they that bring could him back. have been a joke. That could have been a joke, but yeah, you just don't know. They're not, they're, they're, they're just, they're, I don't think they, I don't think they knew what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, to, <laughs> You think? <laughs> you think? A few people knew what they were doing in this film, but I don't think the actors, the scriptwriter, and unfortunately maybe the director at times knew what they were doing. But Treat, come, they bring him back. It's a success. They bring him back from the dead. And it turns out that he's perfectly fine. It's like he's actually, he looks like himself and everything like that, only his heart's not beating and he's now effectively a zombie. And by her quick calculations, she says, mm, you've got about a 12, you've got about 12 hours before you properly decompose and you become, you know, whatever. Organic, organic stew is what she called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just takes this as if she said to him like, um, uh, if you, if you don't come back in 12 hours, your car's going to get towed. And he's <laughs> or- like, um, Oh, okay. Well, or if you, if you don't cut out on eating red meat, you're going to have to go on these anti-cholesterol pills or something like that. It's like fucking up. It's crazy. It is They've crazy. got 12 hours then to find the person that killed him. And mm. I thought, all right, okay. That was one of my moments where I thought like, ah, oh, this is a good concept. I'm into this. Well, what happens? So they say, right, we're going to, we're going to go on. We're going to go tracking this down. And what they do is they track down 
they tracked down the the reset the the person the PR person who gave them the guided tour who was yeah. who's the daughter of the person of um of a big cameo oh yeah a big cameo Mr Loudermilk is his name he was who's played yeah. by Vincent Price and yeah. they, they go to her place where they go oh hello did you know actually because I looked this up did you know that Vincent Price was an American. I thought he was uh, English. Actually, it never crossed my mind whether or which. I didn't really... Yeah, I thought he was English. No, he, he grew up in... Uh, he came from St. Louis. Ah, I so, didn't yeah. know. He's a very unusual accent. So It does, yeah, but accent. I thought it was an English accent. Anyway, he's her... Fa- father. Dad? Yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly. And, he's, and she also, says... Also, this actress, this actress is... Um, the only thing that I'd seen her in, other than this, because I thought, she's familiar. Lindsay Frost. She's the sister in The Ring. Naomi Watts' sister. That's the only other film that I've seen her in. But she's, she's done a lot of TV work. Yeah. So she gets partnered up with them. And... Zombies come crashing into the window. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this is where... All right. They, they've met up. She's trying to flee for some reason. Yeah. And Joe Piscopo is tagging along as well. They get attacked by two more zombies... And these ones look more like zombies than the first two zombies. They're now they looking... Do. They actually... One of them look, she looks... His face makeup looks a bit kind of cool. I'm going, oh, he, she looks like a proper zombie. And Treat Williams, because now he's dead, they incapacitate. Treat Williams hides under a sw- underwater in a swimming pool. No, he gets shot minutes. about 200 times oh, he, before yeah, that. Before that, yeah, Treat Williams is a bullet shield. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Which I thought would have been really fun. Like, you know, you could have yeah. a lot more fun with that. Where yeah. they're like grabbing him and using him as a, as a shield. But he's sort of like, um, oh shit, I got shot and I'm surviving. Yeah. And they run out into the into the backyard of her house. Another obligatory action scene happens. They kill them. And she asks him, like, are you okay or something? And it's like, so many of these scenes felt like that they were doing them on the fly and they weren't tracking stuff. Yeah. Because he tells her he's dead twice. I and again, kind of how I'm going to criticize the writing here. They drop Joe Piscopo off at his apartment because of he needs to, I don't know, do his press ups and do his arms. It's his arms day, basically. And they leave him there while Treat Williams and Loudermilk's Loudermil, supposed daughter go to Loudermilk's tomb for reasons. <laughs> and for reasons, it literally is they just go to his tomb. They open up the tomb, and inside there's. Uh, there's like an office there uh, with uh, with a, a mysterious num- numerical code on the inside of a lampshade, which is again, it's just a numerical code. They go back to fucking Randy's house, with Joe Piscopo's house. Uh, oh, is it? No, sorry, uh, the they go back to house. Her, yeah, and, her house and fucking Joe Piscopo. And this is, was one of the most I laughed out loud moments. You say, what? What do we find back at her house? <laughs> it was fucking nuts. What did they find back at her house? I don't remember. They found fucking Joe Piscopo upside down, hogtied. That's way later. Why, that was why the moment I, I went like, okay, first of all, you've skipped over one of the major oh, sequences. When? Yeah, I skipped over the, the Chinese restaurant guy. Yes, Big sorry, sequences sorry, sorry. In this film. They're following the clues and they, they go to Chinatown and they uh, go into a Chinese butcher's and the guy says like, um, basically like back off cop I'm not telling you anything and he hits a button which turns on the lightning activator which revives all of the chickens yeah uh, chicken legs livers ducks uh, heads ducks heads ducks heads pigs <laughs> slaughtered cows a cow <laughs> and they start getting attacked by all of them yeah. as the, the the Chinese gang leader flees they have a shootout and 
if Joe Piscopo is getting attacked by a pig, Treat Williams is getting attacked by a liver, which slaps him in the face. And he spends the entire scene trying to pull the liver off his face, yeah. choking. And the girl is getting attacked by all the, the sort of the, um, the boiled chickens. Yeah. that are like pecking at her what the fuck no no what what i thought in that scene was what the fuck is going why on why would you place the activator over the the, over, the butchers yeah it made no there's no it's like a trap door yeah, but what? in case anyone comes to attack you i'm gonna turn on all the chickens and they'll start <laughs> that's the plan people. that's the escape plan i'm just going to reanimate all of the all of the all of the awful and father king duck and <laughs> fucking nuts. but the thing about this scene is again Steve Johnson's uh, work. It looked class. Effects. It looked class. It I bet they shit. did have fun doing that. Like where it's like, what are you going to be working on? I'm going to be working on the hawk of lamb that comes out of the the uh, abattoir and starts jumping on the heads of everybody. And that stuff, I think you're not going to. What in a movie are you going to have reanimated corpses of chickens yeah. attacking people? Yeah, it's fucking yeah. mental. It's fucking mental. And and that's and I can't believe I actually skipped over that. Oh my moment. god! Like, what does like, Joe Pisco? He says some stupid things like where he goes, um, "This little piggy's going to market," or "That's it. From now on, I'm a vegetarian." And you're telling me these were all his own lines? Yeah, he did ad lib a lot. Maybe not all of them, but they, certainly in the interview, I watched some. Well, I'm PK blaming him. And he and they they said, "Oh, Joe Pisco did ad lib a lot on set." So because they they obviously went. This was obviously the the this the, the thing. <laughs> They were like, going, we're getting Eddie. We want an Eddie Murphy type hit here. Let's get the guy who wasn't Eddie Murphy from Saturday Night Live, who was maybe equally as popular in the in the, in the time, and put him in a buddy cop vehicle and make Joe Piscopo just do funny one-liners like he did in Saturday Night Live. It's going to be sure. He's awful. He's so awful at this. He's so unpleasant. He's like the he. If he wasn't in it, if you cast anybody else other than him, I think it yeah. could have been a much more enjoyable film. He's just so leery looking. All of his jokes are slimy but the line that I was trying to think of earlier on I had it written down here after they all get attacked by all the chickens and the ducks and the the headless cows and pigs and stuff the henchman flings a a butcher's knife at him and it slices into his hand and the girl says to him after all the dust has settled she goes like hey you're hurt and that's where he says lady I'm fucking dead Uh, (laughs) alright But she knows that he can't get hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, she's just seen him get like machine gunned down twice. Yeah. And then she says that. And it's like, I don't think they knew what they were doing where they were forgetting the continuity of the story. Can I give you one of my favorite laugh out loud moments? Unintentionally laugh out loud moments, right? Treat Williams is kind of becoming overwhelmed by the fact that he's you know, in the position that he's in. And so he decides to do one of those Tom Cruise running off into the, into the, oh into the rain moments. Only what terrible. he does is he runs, it's a, this is a wide shot. He runs lazily across the police lobby. He comes and, tr- and Joe Piscopo chases after him. He, he, he stops at the, at the entrance to the police lobby out of breath. And Joe Piscopo catches up to him also out of breath. And Joe Piscopo says something like, you, you gave me a good run there, buddy. Whoa. Like, as in, holy shit. Did you not yeah, see that this, was the wettest, weakest little jog across? Yeah, but also, this is the moment where Joe Piscopo, or no, Treat Williams <laughs> is getting, he looks at the clock and he sees, oh my God, I've lost six hours. And he knows I've only got 12 hours to live. And yeah. he's going to turn into goo. And he looks at the clock and Joe Piscopo says to him, um, hey, what's the matter, man? You look kind of freaked out all of a sudden. And I'm thinking like, oh, Jesus, lads, come on. He's been told 
you're, first of all, he's dead. He's been yeah. told in 12 hours he's going to turn into soup and you're asking him, <laughs> you're freaked out all of a sudden. What's the matter? Like, cheer up, man. It's not that bad. But then when Joe Piscopo chases him down, his heart to heart with him is, um, is to say, you're dead, but you're good. Yeah. It's hard to... he smiles. Yeah. And it's like, all right, now we're back. <laughs> he's gotten over that existential crisis. He's back on board. Let's go get these fuckers. But yeah. They say the only good cop is a dead cop. Well, you know what? You're a good dead cop. <laughs> Something like that. That's the line. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking awful. It's re- I'm just like, no, suck it up. Let's suck it up. Let's go, go out and get the bad guys. And it's after that they go to the two. There's one line, though, that I do like that they, they said. Uh, it's not that it's a great line, but I thought, oh, I'm going to write this down because I think this, this, this isn't too bad. It's trivia, and I, I like that. Well, he says to her in the car, also... There's something we should mention here is that she's getting the hots for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anything tells you this movie is set in the 80s, it's that she's getting the hots for a guy who is slowly rotting before her eyes <laughs> and is going to be dead within six hours. Yeah. And she is like, I'm just finding myself very attracted to you right now. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> if anything told you that this was written by two men, just not like, ladies will go for anything as long as it's stiff. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> rigor mortis is set in I see I see rigor mortis is set in in your lower area <laughs> it's awful that's it that'll do it for her she he says to, to her um, the population of the world is so big now that half of all the people who ever lived is still alive today so if you took all the people who've been around since the beginning of history and all the people who are alive right now it would be the same number <laughs> Like we're not, so? <laughs> so if anyone ever asks you, and this is the capper to this, yeah, he goes. So if anyone ever asks you, when are you going to die? And whoever asked that question, it's like, when are you going to die? All you got to say to them is, I don't know. So far, it's only happened to half of us. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh man! Oh God! I'm really trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to revive a corpse here from this film. <laughs> but there, I, w- I I'm going to jump forward. So after they've been to the tomb, right, they got the secret code. They've split up. They've uh, left Joe Piscopo uh, behind. I'm right now. I'm on track. I'm on track. They Kind go, of, yeah. They go back. So after they get the secret code, you know, this is just Street Williams and the uh, PR lady. They, they go decide back. to split up. Yes. They, all four of them get together. And the two women, the coroner, who's the ex-wife of Treat or the ex-girlfriend of Treat Williams, and the new girl, the minute she lays eyes on the coroner, She's just like claws out, like, yeah. uh, what are Who you are doing you? here? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. This is my guy. He's a zombie. Haven't you heard? He's mine. Um, this is my bit. He's my dead meat. <laughs> Back off, bitch. It's it, literally, it's like that. There's no like nuance to it. Um, they decide to split up. And this is where I had a what the fuck moment. And it was when they... <laughs> it, it made me sit up in a good way where I thought like, well, hang on a second though. Wait, what the fuck? Yeah. The, the wheels have come off. The structure of this movie is out the fucking window because no matter how badly the scenes are written, the general structure of the film works. Like they're hitting the beats as you should in mm-hmm. a good story. But then we're getting into the last half an hour of the film and this entire movie has been a buddy comedy. 
And suddenly Joe Piscopo decides to go off to do one part of the investigation by himself. And it's it's like a it's like a very cursory, like I'll meet you back in five type yeah, thing. It it is throwaway. It's like, you know, it's it's so it's, throwaway where I had to rewind it and go, wait, what? What happened? Where we yeah, where, where did he yeah. what, what happened to Joe Piscopo? Right. But go on. <laughs> so they go to whose house did they go to? They go back to the PR house. They go, it's back to the, to, to, the All right, back to her house. house. Yes. Yeah, she had a whole thing about fish. For some reason, there was, a, they, they set it up where she, no, it was the coroner lady had fish. Co- and, plastic. All, and, and she also had fish. She, yeah, so I was getting confused and going yeah. like, okay, rule of threes here, a fish in the a fish tank and they're dead. Yeah. And it's always the pretty ones that die or whatever. And then later on, she sees something, she backs up anyway. Right. And she backs up into what looks like a mannequin upside down. Yeah. And its hands and legs are tied and its head is in a fish tank. Yeah. And she goes like, and I'm going to act it up for you now. She goes like, oh. <laughs> it's fucking, it's fucking <laughs> horrific. It's a horrific scene that you might see in Zodiac. She goes, um, Roger, you need to come in here. <laughs> it's Doug. He's dead. And I went, yeah. what? They've killed Joe Piscopo off. Yeah. Off screen like with no setup and no there was no suspense this was the thing that all the, the scenes were lacking there was no suspense to anything they it was gave, like it was covering all the, the the beats of the story but there was no art to building up momentum or building dread or suspense or getting any of the jokes to work it felt that there was a scene either cut or not shot and that was the scene where Joe Piscopo died a horrific fucking death I was honestly in my head going like oh this is where Joe Piscopo quit the movie or they fired him because he's just been cut out of the film, like at the with thirty minutes to go, heading into the finale, of the movie, and he's just he's yeah. gone. Where's Trubisky? he's dead. Move on, and then he decides. <laughs> okay, then uh, immediately after that, the scene. No, listeners, she, the scene directly after this huge sock because our buddy she's comedy, just said <laughs> the buddy com- uh, the buddy t- t- combo has been split about it this is the the heart and soul of this group has been shattered all right let's and not go too far now the next scene go <laughs> i know but like from the, the characters t- have had the most scenes together the, exactly that's you know what, what i mean that's what i mean but go on the, the next scene the big the big moment where they sort of like try to to create some sort of like um sentiment between the two characters because you have a stiff boring guy against a really smarmy obnoxious guy and the only scene that they give these two characters to, to create some sort of sentiment is that treat williams after he realizes he's dead and he's going to go off to find this guy he looks in the mirror and sees that his lips are turned blue so he goes to a, a, a boutique and buys mulberry wine lipstick yeah. to um, put some color back in his lips. That's the moment later on where they bring it back. Remember that time when we got the lipstick? Yeah. So what <laughs> happens after they find Joe, Joe Piscopos? Yeah. She has just said, it's Doug. He's dead. They cut to her getting out of a shower. Yeah. This could be I a, thought, in my head, I thought this was a dream scene. In my head, I'm saying, we're I cutting thought it into a dream scene. <laughs> We're, we are in a dream wrong. scene because she is now, right. we've just gone through so, that. Now she's coming out of the shower. Go on. Five things happen at once. She yeah. comes out of the shower and I thought, hang on a second. They shot a, they shot a shower scene and it got cut for some reason because maybe they all thought, guys, this is a bit too <laughs> sleazy. But she decides after finding a dead body in her fish tank, she's going to have a shower, you know, just to uh, wash the stress off of the Straight day. Away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he walks in and she tells him that Vince Price is not her dad. Yes. He was her mentor. And that she's also dead. Yes. And that she has been a zombie this entire time. She looks perfect. Yeah. But just as she admits the fact that she's a zombie, 
she looks at her hand and her hand starts to rot at, at a rapid rate. A really good effect. And then a really cool special effect happens yeah. where she looks up at him and the whole left side of her face or the right side of her face starts to basically just fall away. It's like palsy. Yeah. And then she just, <laughs> she rots incredibly quickly until her head falls off. And when her head is upside down and her skin is falling away, she's saying, Roger, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Roger. Can you forgive me? <laughs> and then it just turns to ash. And then Treat Williams has got nobody. Nobody. He's so on now his own. He's on his own. I'm, I'm exactly, I'm there with you. I'm like going, holy fucking shit. We have two, two, or two other central characters are now dead. Side, like, side by side. And no, I want to point, I want to, I want to flag. The special effects of her disintegrating were fantastic. Again, Some of them. And then they got a bit ropey. The, 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 the first moment, it looked incredible. The melting hand or the hands decomposing hands like in, in was camera. It's like, hold up, that's really cool. But my God. But when God. the head fell off and okay, yeah. it was upside down and going like, uh, Roger, I'm sorry. This <sighs> film is crazy. And we have another shootout. It's like 20 minutes to go. So Roger now is starting to visibly rot. He finds a numerical line of... Inside, they, found a, they found this a code... Yeah, on a lamp. That's it. Inside in the tomb, there was a there was a, a, a series of numbers. <laughs> what I liked is that you could tell this was 1988 because the way to crack the code was to basically like use like a, an old Nokia 3210 uh, to send a text message like, where each number represented a letter. Yeah. But I don't know how he figured out how to... Um, uh, do you want to know how he figured it out? Because how, the, this, this is actually one of the worst elements of the plot of the, of the, of the writing of this film. Those... Letters, those those uh, numbers, letters, numbers spell out the letters body doc, right? Yeah, but how did he get? How did he get those numbers to spell out that? I know he was using like the multi-tap um, text messaging format where you go like, you know, the letter one has got A B C. Yeah, but it was like one nine six zero one two three eight four, and he he just quickly went like da 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 da. Body dock. Oh no, but I can. I in the they showed in camera how he worked it out. It like there was a quick shot of him like solving the puzzle. Like you know, with number two there was only three letters, and he kind of just did the puzzle where it was like a very simple uh, puzzle where he went and pieced all the letters together. But you, it was just a one shot thing. He was so throwaway. And he Mark was on the day going like, just keep going, keep going. Nobody would pay attention. That was it. And I actually, I actually, that's one of the aspects of the plot where I went, oh no, that makes sense. That actually makes sense. And <laughs> does how, not make sense. But how, but no, like that. Why did he write it on a lamp? I know that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that do, And also, right? Why? And But also, how, this is fucking, it's fucking nuts. So he knows it's the body doc. He knows it's the doctor inside in the police station because the doctor's in the police station. His license plate is... Body doc. Body doc. So it's body doc and body doc and uh, treat Why Williams. do they do that in movies where they think, I'm going to leave you a clue of who my killer is by giving you a riddle to figure out? Why not just write down somewhere, the body doctor killed me? Why do you have to go and write down a numerical code word to decipher it in order to figure yeah. it out? And it doesn't make sense because why is fucking Laudermilk leaving a clue to... The guy he's conspiring with so that his whole plot can be unrevealed. It doesn't make a fucking lick of fucking sense unless it wasn't Laudermilk. Unless but it was the three someone face, else. 
the three-faced zombie ogre, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but wait, we end up having, as a consequence of this, we somehow Street Williams ends up in an ambulance in a body bag. No, no, yeah, no? yeah, yeah, okay. So he goes to the body doc, he confronts him, he points the gun at him. Yes. And um, they have a, a, another back and forth of bad dialogue. The Chinese guy comes out and he says, look, we're wanted back in the lab. We need to sort this out. So they take... They take Roger and they handcuff him to his dead ex-wife. They've killed her as well off screen. <laughs> and they've put her in the back of the ambulance. <gasps> oh, and God. He, he has some witty repartee with her where it's like, well, honey, I always knew we'd end up together. And it's like, you don't give a fuck about anybody. Yeah. They decide to leave him in an ambulance. They padlock the ambulance and go like, um, you're going to rot in here. No one's going to hear you. Good luck. And they, they skedaddle. It's like a James Bond sequence. Yeah. He decides because he can't get hurt. He, he yanks his arm through the, the handcuffs and he puts the ambulance, which is packed on a hill, into neutral. Mm-hmm. So it starts bombing it down the, the hill into oncoming traffic at the end. And it explodes. In a, he's screaming and laughing at this moment where it's like, it's a, it's a good stunt. It's a good sequence. It's a good, it's good sequence. Yeah, it again, doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's a good stunt. It doesn't. <laughs> he goes bombing it down the hill. He see the ambulance bursts into a blazing fireball. This is where Black's brother has his Terry, cameo. Terry Black, yeah. He, he comes out of his body bag. <laughs> and they put him he, all in body bags. He sits up and... <laughs> now he's looking and, a lot worse. He's looking way decomposed now. All of a sudden yeah, because of half, half his face is, is melted and all that sort of stuff. And when, one of the, the cops says, as he sits up, and one of them goes, take it easy, mister. You're not well. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy is like half burnt alive and he's a zombie. Yeah. Then he goes up to the cop and says, officer, I'm a detective. He shows him his badge. <laughs> and he says, I need your gun. And that's when the, the cop just decides to give it to him. I, I, he just he just gives it to him. He just goes, yeah. well, I suppose, yeah, well, I suppose it's probably the, probably the best thing to do right now is to give this fucking zombie my gun. And what we and, have is, is a Terminator 2 moment. I feel it's like Terminator before Terminator 2, where he gets on that police. Yeah, let's not go crazy. But yeah, I know, gets it's, on not. A- <laughs> it's not. But I, all I'm saying is, I'm, I'm going. It kind of looks a little bit like Terminator Two, kind of ish. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's the city reminded me of Los Angeles. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it kind of looked like a film. Anyway, all the um, the villains have gotten together at the laboratory around the resurrection cham- chamber where they revived the the three faced ogre and Treat Williams, yeah. and. This is where another twist happens. Vincent Price is not dead. He's alive. Yeah. And he is a mastermind with the body doc of a scheme, which is that only the poor can die. The rich, you can afford to live forever. So he is doing a presentation for them where it's like you, when you die, if you want, like with a cryogenic thing where they'd freeze your head and bring you back when they can cure you of whatever ailment killed you. Instead, what they're going to do is they're going to bring you back from the dead the minute that you die. Mm-hmm. And um, while they're giving this presentation, uh, Treat Williams bursts in mm-hmm. and uh, he starts to confront them. But then the big twist is revealed that <gasps> the tr- presentation that they're doing involves reviving somebody who's dead. And who do they revive? <gasps> Don't say it. Doug. Doug. They bring Doug back. They pull him out of the fish tank. Now, he looks fucking rotten yeah. in the fish tank. Yeah. And when they revive him, he looks like he's just walked from his trailer. The few hours dead 
did him, did him the world of wonders, I feel. And, it did. Oh, my God. So they they revive... No, Treat Williams shoots the shit out of everyone, except for a couple of the... the doesn't he? He shoots no, because the guards. No, because the doctor says to, um, to, to Doug, um, kill this man or whatever. And yeah. uh, he starts repeating, kill this man. And that's where he's got him by the throat and he's going to yeah. kill him. And he says, it's me, it's me, uh, Mulberry Wine, remember? Yeah. Uh, the, lipstick. Yeah, the lipstick. And then he drops him and he's like, um, Roger? He's like, uh, welcome to Zombieland. Oh, God. Oh, God. I wonder whether they got the title for the movie from this, oh, whether they'd watched it and maybe. thought, Zombieland, yeah. That moment totally reminded me of the end of the Nick Gunn or they have the baseball player who has been a Manchurian candidate to to shoot the queen. I must kill the queen. I must get and it's like <laughs> and so Joe Piscopo is like I must kill. I must kill Treat Williams and it's so bad. It is really really fucking poor and mulberry wine. Low rent, low rent. Like it looks, you know, it this looks like a, a director VHS movie. I'm surprised it got a theatrical release. It was well, it was only in cinemas for two weeks, Kevin. It was only in cinemas for two weeks. It was made by. It was actually de- produced by New World Pictures, which was yeah Roger Corman's uh, outfit. But he didn't own it. He didn't own it at the time. But it was they were making a lot of films that year and that the end of the eighties. They did eighteen again and. Heathers came out the same year, maybe uh, around the same time anyway. But they actually, they had a shit ton of films out, but really low budget. I think it was only five million or something like that they spent on it. Um, but but it the best be- part of the movie happens now for me. Go on. And um, it's not that it was like... The end. <laughs> it's not just because the credits rolled. No. Yeah. They treat Williams and uh, uh, Piscopo. Piscopo. They yeah. team up. They shoot everybody. They They blow the place to bits and they both they both surround the body doctor yeah <laughs> and as they're closing in the body doctor's got a machine gun as well and he's been open oh fuck he yeah says, oh, fuck he yeah. says <laughs> you're not gonna get me you bastards <laughs> and he puts the machine gun in his boat and blows his head off he oozes <laughs> his fucking head he oozes his own it's- head but he says it just like that as well. It's like, you're not going to get me, you bastards. And he blows his head off. And, and Treat he- Williams is like really disappointed. He's like, you took that away from me. It's not on. And um, and then uh, and then Episcopo says, hang on, I've got an idea. And they put the body, they put the body onto the resurrection thing yeah. and they bring him back from the dead in order to kill him. So they get and they say, and they it's say like, like pure utter vengeance, like just what happens proper- if you do it twice? What if you what if you revive someone twice? So they revive him a second time, and we fucking <laughs> and have he, the scanners. He microwaves him. He, like- they microwave him. Yeah, the scanners explosion, but with an entire body. He just that was everywhere. brilliant. That was genuinely the best bit. Where he said, "You're not going to get me, you bastards." He kills himself. <laughs> they bring him back to the dead, and then they kill him twice. I thought, okay, I love this. Oh, no. You bastards aren't going to take me. And then uh, Vincent Price is like pleading with them not to destroy the machine. And they they decide to like, you know, shoot the shit out of it. So it all starts to implode and explode. Vincent Price gets blown up with it. And the two guys who are both dead now, they're both zombies. Joe Piscopo ponders about being reincarnated as a girl's bicycle seat. The fucking I know. Oh. Yeah, they were all like that. Oh. He would be constantly like, picking up girls' knickers and be going like, um, ooh, got a big weekend planned, haven't you? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Oh, God. The final line is, 
this could be the end of a beautiful friendship. And they walk off into heaven. This film was inspired by an actual film from the 1950s called DOA. And it is very loosely inspired. Um, Terry uh, Black was inspired by... I've heard of that. guy discovers he's dead. Yeah, he discovers he's dead and he's got 12 hours to, you know, bring out his killers. They, that's all they share. That's, that's all they share. Kevin, I think you did a great job uh, running everyone through the whole entire plot of this film. My God, listen, this was like trying to revive a corpse. You just watched it today, didn't you? I'm already forgetting it. Yeah. It's already like leaking out of my ears. I the more I, I so I watched it over the weekend and I started to do research and looking at you know the special effects and looking at all the people involved. And the more kind of behind the scenes stuff I learned about the film, the more I found myself laughing back at the film and finding certain things of it more and more funny. Just the pl- thinking about the plot, thinking about those beats that we've spoken about, I just find myself giggling. And I think I could go back and watch this film again and go, oh, here comes that fucking moment. Here's Joe Piscopo in the fucking fish tank. There he is. So before we get on to whether we, we'd recommend this, yeah. who would be your MVP of this film, if I, anybody? I quite clearly have an MVP from this film. Without question, it is the special effects in this film. Yeah, really Steve Johnson. Good. You know, uh, Steve Johnson, man. The tree-headed, tree-faced biker guy, the 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 chicken chopped liver, <laughs> and the duck's head—all these things. The cow that is reanimated, and there's an actor inside that articulating it. The so many elements of the special effects I thought were actually above the rest of the, the standard, the rest of the film. So it's Steve Johnson for me. It's worth watching for the special effects. I would say. How about you? What's your who's your MVP? It's the same guy. First yeah, episode. Would you, would you recommend this film? Yeah. Would you recommend this podcast? That's what I want to ask. <laughs> you asking me? Are you asking me what I recommend this podcast? We're feeling our I way w- through it. Oh, whatever. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Would you recommend this film, Kevin? How do you feel? Would you recommend this film? No. Not at all. No. I don't know that I'd recommend <gasps> this. It's, yeah. I'm glad I saw it. It had good special effects. I think if you watched a highlight reel to this movie, you'd get all you need out of it. And... um and maybe the trailer is probably really entertaining. And that's as far as I would go. It's very low rent. It's not very well directed. Um, the cast are not uh, that appealing. The script is pretty tragic. The special effects are great. And the um, story, it's a good story. But I think everybody yeah. missed the mark, apart from the special effects people, in executing the story. And I don't know who's yes. to blame for that. But... Um, yeah, Shane Black I'm, wrote this and John Cabernet directed it. This would be one of my favourite films. I, that's the thing. I think if you put better talents behind the different roles, as in in the, in the appropriate roles, you we could have had a cracker of a film. And I, I'm in the same boat as you. Initially, when I finished watching it, I went, not a fucking chance am I recommending this. But as the days have gone on, I've kind of went, okay, it's actually... It's actually a bad, good movie in my head <laughs> because there's a, there's enough good things in there that you can kind of go, you can laugh at it, but you can also be impressed by the special effects and you can really laugh at it. You can definitely la- laugh at some of the plus turning points because they are fucking jaw-dropping. They are excused upon when the PR lady's face melts. That is a fucking jaw-dropping moment right after Joe Piscopo being... It's jaw-dropping know, for a couple for of things. A, One of them is like, what the fuck is going on in the story? Like, no, she's just... Yeah. Like you're killing her off. It, every The convention of how you would end this movie, it just 
completely swerved it. Like you're heading towards the climax and suddenly you're just knocking off people. And then afterwards I'm thinking, that's actually really clever because this whole movie is about death and everybody ends mm-hmm. up dead at the end. All the characters are dead. Yeah, absolutely everyone. Absolutely fucking... Yeah, absolutely everyone is fucking dead. Yeah. I'd love to know what the, the cast think of this film. If there was any way to... Uh, to hear what their thoughts are. I tried. I tried to track down any Q&A at all or commentary and there I couldn't find any online. The only thing I found was uh, on-set interviews where the cast are saying, this is a hoot. This is, oh, Joe Piscopo, is, he, he makes me laugh all the time. Uh, he just keeps throwing out funny one-liners. No, he doesn't. And They're we lying. all know we're having, a, we're having a lark. This is just such a fun set. It's a tough shoot because it's physical and all this sort of stuff. And we're shooting it in six days. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. That's what it, that's what it feels like. But I'm glad this the box art for this film is the box art I saw on the shelf of a video library growing up many, many times and never picked up or never had the courage Why? to pick up. But always wondered, what is that? Because it just didn't it didn't look immediately appealing. I didn't know what it was. It kind of looked maybe it could be funny. It could be Police Academy with some spooky something going on. And I always skipped over it. So when I saw the box art, I went, oh, that movie. I want to see what that's about. So that's why I picked it. And now I know. Now I know. <laughs> so we're going to do more of these. We're going to spin the wheel. And we're going to get another year and we're going to flash back to another week of release of whatever year that's going to be. But tell us what you think of this episode. I want to know what you guys think. Well, should I spin the wheel, Kevin? Spin it. All we know is it's not going to be 1988. So it could be any other year. And here we go. And we will say our goodbyes and we'll let you know what it is on the next episode of... Our second rate show. Second rate show. <laughs> the title <laughs> is a pun. <laughs> All right. Well, this certainly was a second rate film. So I think, hey. And this was a second rate podcast. The, yeah. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. All right. See ya. <laughs> that was the end of the best bits. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Many bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The best bits podcast with Will and Ken. Bonus content for you, yeah. That's right, this is for you. Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the shop this the other day, and uh, she Your said, "Corn, uh, my corns." Did you, ever get, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes, stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk no, barefoot? I, I, I wear no it's the opposite GA shorts it's the opposite I wear incredibly tight shoes like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound who had their feet bound like you know before the turn of this yeah. last century and so they had incredible corns and bunions this is a great opener for a mini bits episode where we get people disgusted <laughs> Squally it's episode 73 of the mini bits <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm Kevin, your Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode. And then every so often, it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes? Maybe it didn't sound as desperate. Maybe we said, don't join. Maybe reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> you don't des- Everybody cancel. <laughs> you don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look of you. you. We don't We don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people, we, we did, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I, how do you think I did? I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across, but, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG listener. Before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. Uh, <laughs> your hat. Yeah. I want Speaking of, of the, which, I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh uh, yeah, bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glints. Yeah. Like starlight twinkle. <laughs> Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. Start the timer. They, all, all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to thing. watching that. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. You it doesn't did. really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh. takes your fancy. Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So, um, I'm well, the Joker Two trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes, I watched that. Hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah, it's kind of like you see. It's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey, listen. Uh, I, I actually what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch. <laughs> rewatched the Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go cinema. back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. You know, get up to <laughs> get speed. You, get you right up to speed. <laughs> and you'll be there going, where, where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? 
where when are they going to show up? And like it's a bit of a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like it's this, just everywhere. What, well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the, the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, oh this is the insane. thing. Kevin, so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. What was it on one of those uh it was the last, show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, yeah, you, you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only 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 with people trying to raise you. That's the only type only where place where I've noticed people no, people have just trying to every, raise you. Oh my god. Oh my god. I could start posting though like um tweets, comments, TikToks. Uh, articles, anything insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. It would just they're morons. But no. <laughs> I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a yeah. lot. Where has where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. It's like the I. Because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you it's a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start I the have timer, like, I have a whole it's... fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Where's my fucking? What? Where's my ding dang ding? Oh, Here we go. The timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right. 